Good morning. It's great to have you with us today on this uh, Sunday. I'd invite you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And by the way, if you look outside, uh, which you can't do right now, right? Everybody keep looking here. We actually do have a navigable river out there. I said it was several weeks back. It was just a little stream. But with all this rain, we even had a park your raft here spot out in the front, right next to the first time visitors. So with all this rain, it's been crazy. And I, I am sorry if you have it in your basement, but thank you for coming to church anyway with us this morning. As, uh, as Nick mentioned, we're going to be talking about uh, a vision that God's word gives to our bodies this morning. And uh, when pastors get nervous about topics, they get nervous about two things. One thing, talking about money and then talking about sex. And uh, the, the, the issue is, is, I don't know that I've ever struggled talking about those things as a pastor. And I remember one guy said to me a few, few years back, he said, why do you talk about these all the time? I said, well, as soon as you stop thinking about these all the time, I'll stop preaching about them. <laughs> this is a relevant topic for all of us. And it's something that the word of God has a really good vision for us. If we're willing to listen and if we're willing to follow um, by the way, we are going through 1 Corinthians, so I didn't dictate this necessarily. I do, uh, I do choose the passages as we're going through a book, but this is chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians. It talks about this. And so we would not preach the whole counsel of God if we weren't talking about it. So that's why we're talking about it. Secondly, I think it's really important. I think it's really important. Our, our culture has the corner market on, on this, this topic. And it's killing us. It's destroying us. And uh, God has a better way. And we need to reconnect with the way God has originally designed this as a gift. So if you're not a Christ follower this morning and you're seeking, or you may even be a skeptic, welcome. We want FBC to be a place where you can find and follow Jesus. And you know what? It might explain what Christians believe about this topic and why. Maybe no one has ever explained it to you. And so you're lost in sound bites from our culture. Or you just hear those who've rejected it and disagree and never have come back. Well, I really want to share the why and the what and the why of this whole topic. It might also explain for many of us why we feel the way we do about this. Why we view our circumstances the way we do. And I don't want to create a culture of guilt and shame, but I want to connect with that inside of us, that longing inside of us to love and to be loved. How do we do that? How do we express that in our world today? And I would even put forth that if you're not a Christ follower, it might even call you something into something deeper with God and hopefully in your relationships. If you are a Christ follower, however, and you're pursuing a sincere f faith with Christ, well, quite frankly, we're called to sexual integrity. And it's just like everything else. We're called to integrity. And by integrity, I mean becoming whole with what God's word teaches about this and the life that we live in response to the word of God. This is not just one topic that scripture addresses. This is not just one vision. It's one among every topic that the scriptures talk about. But we're all called to integrity, to seeing what God says in his word and then aligning our lives to it. None of us are going to be perfect in following Christ, but we're still called to it. The target is still there. We're still called to God's best. 
And quite frankly, we're not called to live arrogantly or in denial or in judgment of others on this. As we're going to find out, we're all broken. We're all broken people in this area. And our lives declare the reality of the God we love and are willing to place all things under him. That's actually what a mark of a follower of Jesus is. It's a, it's a pattern. A follower has a pattern of change, of changing their reality so that it matches the reality of God's word. If you don't like change, don't follow Jesus. He's going to do that in my life and he's going to change us from the inside out. And my desire is to share this and to clarify it and then to call you to sexual integrity. I want to share my own heart as my own life has been and is being changed in this area. And there's a thought when someone opens up the word of God on this topic that it was dated. It was ancient. It's irrelevant today and especially in contemporary life. Life then was so much simpler with simpler minds, less developed life. Now we're much more intelligent. We're much more enlightened. We're much more progressed and balanced in this area. And I would simply say, if that's your assumption to the word of God, you could not be further from the truth. Case in point, the city of Corinth. Corinth, this is just the ruins of Corinth, and ruins kind of tell you what was valuable in the day. And they, they've withstood the, the test of time. They've survived. And way up on that mountain was a temple, 1,850 feet above sea level, to Aphrodite, the Greek goddess of love. And at nightfall, 1,000 prostitutes from, from or priestess, priestesses would come down off that mountain, go into the city of Corinth, and offer their bodies as prostitutes. So that you literally could worship your God and have sex with a prostitute at the same time. In our culture, our culture kind of views that as the best of both worlds. Religion and sex. And it pairs it together. So it would be really easy for anyone who balked. Anyone who said, really? They would go, it's my religion. It's my religion. Certainly, we're far more advanced. We're far more progressive. We're much more developed to view life and sex like that, right? No, we're Corinth. We're Corinth. And then right real close to that is, is those uh, columns that are there. That was the temple of Apollo. And here is uh, Apollo was the uh, god of male beauty. And at that temple were beautiful young men who would enter, who would offer their, their bodies to commit acts of homosexuality in Corinth. It literally became the center of homosexual practices in the Roman Empire. You see, sexual expression and identity was very much like our culture today. It was something people would say, it's my right. It's my privilege. I can do whatever I want to do. And the second you question that or even provide an alternative, look out. We hide as they did. They hid behind statements like, everything's lawful for me. Come on. Or... Food for the body, body for food. I mean, God's created us with these appetites. We've got to fulfill them. And to which Paul would write 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 6, and 7. They would say, live and let live. Come on. Don't put any restraints on that. God's so restrictive. Your God's so restrictive in this area. Relax. And it was something that was happening in the city as well as in the church. 
And so Paul writes, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Pick it up there with me in verse 12. He says, all things are lawful to me, for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I not take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Are you, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. I believe that the level that we teach the scriptures in this environment here will determine the depth of our faith. And you can't grow in what you don't know. So in the area of, of uh, sex, we have to come down to what is it and why did God give it to us? Well, the answer is it was God's idea all along. In the first book and the first chapter of the first book, we see a God who has created male and female. Look what it says in Genesis 1.27. It says, so God created man in, the, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Here we have two, uh, one reason for sex, and that's procreation. It's certainly not the only reason for sex. If you continue reading the Bible, it's also for pleasure. In uh, the book of Song of Solomon's, look out. I taught that one time, and I saw one guy going like this. You're like, that, that was in the Bible? Yeah. It was a, it was a celebration of uh, sexual expression within the bonds of a husband and a wife within marriage. It was celebrates male and female, unique creations of God, masculinity, femininity, different yet blessed by God. And this was a gift given to husband and wife, but it's also a gift with boundaries and blessings. Because I want you to take a look in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 and 25. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. It's interesting that, that uh, shame happens sometimes when we're exposed. And if we were ever uncovered, we'd be embarrassed, wouldn't we? But here with the gift, it had the blessing that a husband and wife could see each other naked and fully accept them. Fully appreciate, fully love, be vulnerable, trust them and respect them and give them gratitude. Give them dignity through this gift. But there was also boundaries with it. I would just call your attention. This is Genesis 2. This is before man fell into sin. 
and the gift was broken. Before the gift was broken, it still had boundaries. Look at that. A man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. This literal word, hold fast, literally means that they're glued together, so glued that if they were ever taken apart, the glue, the bond wouldn't break, the people would break. That's what we're called to. We're called to within the boundary of what God has given us to be a blessing. Yet something happened to the gift. It was profoundly broken by the fall. They believed the lie. What once joined them together now became a platform for shame and guilt in their lives. And it progressed and it progressed and it deepened and it deepened. And it's what Paul says in Romans 1.24. He says, therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. And therefore, we have brokenness. Folks, it's easy for us to look at others and point out their brokenness. But this is one area we are all broken. Male, female, married, single. We're all broken in this area. My heart breaks for people who are broken in this area. I've sat with many people and uh, people who've confessed that a, a parent or a grandparent or an uncle or an aunt abused them sexually. Or, or another one whose wife, whose husband wants, believes that God ultimately wants him to be happy and therefore he left her and her children for another woman. Or I see a woman leaving her husband because he's kind of boring. The other person brings her back into high school and she's become sexually active. Folks, the broken, we are all broken in this area. I see people are enslaved in sexual immorality Men and women caught into pornography so it totally changes and, and uh, detracts from the dignity God has created us with to an object, to, to something we exploit for our pleasure, that even when we talk about it, even in our minds, even in our conversations, there's sexual innuendos and this gift that God has given us, we cheapen it when we're caught in sexual immorality. Instead of respecting the dignity of men and women, we exploit this gift and we lust after people through pornography. Instead of sex as the celebration between husband and wife, after they commit to a lifelong marriage, couples move in. They try it out for a while. I hear this all the time. How can I be broken if God has made me this way? You know what? I hear that all the time. Homosexual or heterosexual says that. You know what? We're all broken in this area. We do not understand the depth of sin and depravity in our lives. We are all broken. Some have been born with broken attractions to the same or other sexes, but we all are affected by the fall. Some may think it's only those people who are broken, but in reality, it's all of us. We have broken minds, broken attitudes, broken desires. We even have a desire to be with someone sexually, even before we know their name. But it doesn't, isn't just something that happens outside of marriage. We're broken inside of marriage. We have wives who want to control their husbands with sex. So if you're a good boy today, I'll reward you with this at the end of the day. And a husband then who's broken with a broken mind starts thinking of ways that he can act out or start building a story about her that she doesn't care. And, and God wants him to be happy. So he builds the case against his wife. They don't talk about it. No, 
but they build their own little viewpoints and then move in a direction. Folks, this with every area, every area of brokenness must be redeemed by Jesus. That's what sex, sex must be redeemed by Christ. That's why Paul says in the same book where he says how far things have spiraled out of control. In Romans chapter 6 verse 13 he says this. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. See this is the pattern. This is a vision for our bodies with Jesus is that we bring anything that's broken and anything that's that's out of whack with the scriptures and we lay them down at the feet of Jesus and we say, I need you to fix me. I need you to give me something that I can't do for myself. And that's what Jesus did. That's why the pattern of the Christian life is bringing broken things in our lives to Jesus to redeem. Because redemption is the reality of a great exchange that happens for us. It's a reality of a God who sees our sin and loves us anyway. And he calls us to that exchange. He doesn't call. Even when Jesus corrected sexual immorality, he never said, hey, stay where you're at. I totally accept you right where he said, go and sin no more. He calls us to redemption to take place. But he provides that redemption. That's why Jesus had to come down in the flesh. He had to live a life for us. We can't live for ourselves. Perfection. That's why Jesus had to die on a cross. He had to die and take care of a penalty of our sin, our judgment, our righteousness, our unrighteousness, the wrath of God on our lives. And he provided the perfect sacrifice to fulfill that. That's why Jesus had to rise from the dead. Because he, through his resurrection and his empowering of the Holy Spirit in us, defeats the power of sin and death in our lives. That's redemption. And the result is we get who Jesus is in our lives. And so therefore, we have to exchange and bring broken things in our lives for better things that Jesus has for us. We need redemption. And therefore, sex can be beautiful again by following Christ. Look what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. He says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. This is a vision for our bodies. Our bodies are called to reflect the holiness and the honor of God. Some of us may say, Joe, I don't want these things, at least now in life. Let me live the way I want to live and I'll come back to this. Others will say, Joe, you give me no hope. If I come to Jesus, you're saying I must change. I must change the way I act. I must change what I do to reflect God and reflect his word and reflect the life of Jesus. Yes, that's what I'm saying. But that's not exclusively to any one of us who struggle with sexual immorality. 
That's for anyone who's a believer. If you're struggling with anger, would you ever want me to go, hey, no problem. Just be angry, but come to church every once in a while so you can feel good about a message. Get your sins forgiven. Go back out and keep on sitting. Just no problem with it. The fact that it's destroying your marriage, it's where you've lost three jobs because of your anger. No problem. No, I would never do that with anger. Why would I do it with sexual immorality? Jesus doesn't point out one sin that we're messing up and he's all the world revolves around that No, he calls sinners to redemption. Folks, none of us are here because we deserve this. None of us are here because we've earned it. But we all can have it because it's the work of Jesus in our lives. Sex can be beautiful when it follows the direction that God has given it. And our bodies, remember, our bodies are meant to follow Christ. It's all of our lives are, not just parts of our lives, but our whole lives are to do that. So there's a choice. There's either the world's way, which is sexual immorality, or there's God's way on how you view your body, which is sexual integrity. If we're going to follow the world's way, then we're going to pursue our identity And the world has defined in this area for us, and it has champions of this perspective, that your primary identity is sexual. And that your body is a sexual body, and it must have an identity, and it must have an expression. And it's moved by desires, driven by yourself, by your appetites, by your interests, by your attractions. And you need to act out on those because that's the way you are. It's just like the church in Corinth. Hey, food for the body, body for food. That's the way I'm made. I have these appetites. I I need to act out on these. And I don't care what anyone says. And the word of God says that's what we're driven by. If we see ourselves as primarily sexual beings, the word of God, however, stands in affront to this. To live in that lifestyle literally means that we're defying the word of God. We're saying, no, I don't want that. Or we try to change the word so that we can rationalize our lives. Folks, any area the word of God confronts me, there's a temptation to change it. To say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what it meant in that day. But it doesn't mean it to me today. And as a result, we destroy the gift that God has given us. And as a result... We deny the giver who loved us and gave his son for us. We deny the giver to bless us through this gift. We don't just deny God on this one and him working in our lives. We deny ourselves from the blessing of this gift. We deny the people around us from receiving the blessing from God. But there's a choice, right? Because the scriptures call us to sexual integrity. And by that, he gives us an identity that when God does not see us, although he's created us as sexual beings, it's not our primary identity. Our primary identity is spiritual. That's why even when it ta- shares about how man was created, it says, so God created man in his own image. That's a spiritual. We reflect our creator. We're eternal beings. We reflect his eternal life. That he gives us. And that same God who's created us male and female has called us to dignity in this area. It's driven by God. We're dignity. I love what this passage says. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? 
You are not your own. Who are you? God's. You've been bought with a price. See, some, some say this just doesn't give dignity to man because it has a, a term in which someone was purchased into slavery. That's what that term, you've been bought with a price. But the reality is we've been redeemed. We've been rescued with a price. What's that price? I love what First Peter says, by the precious blood of Jesus. We're given dignity with our lives. We are important to God and we're given value when we see ourselves through his eyes. Dignity. That's what we're called to. And so that our lives would, our bodies would then be called to being people of dignity, not immorality. And our bodies then would clarify the word of God by following it. And our lives and our bodies would restore the gift that God originally has given us that was broken and has broken us. And therefore, when we practice sexual integrity, it glorifies the giver. And it becomes a gift. To the one God has provided us. So how do you live with sexual integrity according to this passage? Well, let's go back to our anchor passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 18, it says this. Flee from sexual immorality. That's the first thing we're called to. Flee it. Get away from it. Run. Better people than you have fallen. Flee sexual immorality. Every other sin, it says, a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Like Corinth, sex is our God. And fear keeps us in it. Fear of being lonely, fear of lost pleasure, wondering what we're going to do if we don't have it. And it causes us to hesitate, procrastinate inside and outside of the church. Paul says, I will be enslaved by nothing. Nothing should enslave us to following God. Nothing should be that powerful in our lives that it keeps us from following his word. This passage says anyone who's sexually immoral, a person, they sin against their own body. What does this mean? It's, well, it limits our capacity to glorify God, which this passage calls us to do with our bodies. But it also limits our capacity to give ourselves to someone. That's why even even we kind of cheapen it when we're talking with the guys and say, I'm going to get me some. Because that's what we do when, when we live with an immoral picture of sex. It's what I can get from you. And if you can't provide for that, I'll find it over here. And it's building the case, whatever it is, inside and or outside of, of marriage. We're to flee the things that destroy us. Know the place where we fall and keep yourself from it. A bar is a lousy place to determine a sexual boundary. Lousy place. Flee it. Um, the backseat of a car is the lousy place to set a sexual boundary. Flee those environments where we fall. Alone in a room with no accountability, looking at a computer screen. If you're struggling with porn... And the addiction that that can be and the, and the, the way you, it, it causes you to look at women and exploit them, flee those environments. Folks, we have to believe this, that greater people than us have fallen in this area. 
It has no relation to how intelligent you are, how much money you make, the position you hold, because people have fallen in all of those environments. It has no bearing even on your age. Some of the greatest of us have fallen in this area. So we have to flee from it. Flee it. But we don't just say, I'm never going to do it again. I'm stopping it. That's the last time. I... How many times have we done that? It's not just trying to evade and run from this sin. It's also running to. And it's running to God and his word. And remember, that's why we've got to, we got to accept our God-given identity. Remember that? It's spiritual, not sexual. Look what it says in verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 6. It says, the body is meant for Excuse me, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Your body and my bodies are meant for the Lord. Now think about this. If it really is true that your primary identity is sexual. And the single population in the United States is now over 50 percent of the adult population then to follow God, ultimately, in this area. If we were made for sexual relationships more than spiritual relationships, then God would be saying that for over 50% of the people in our country have no purpose and no meaning. See, that's the reality. Your body's for the Lord. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Third, receive God's redemption. The passage that precedes this is an interesting passage. Look what it says. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And it begins with verse 9. It says, Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That's a strong statement. And it's not just pointed at sexual immorality. It's pointed, look at all those sins that are called out there. But then it says this, and such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. Folks, you have been bought with a price, the priceless blood of Jesus. Sexual immorality makes us feel cheap, but redemption shows us dignity and value. What do you do with things that are priceless in your life? Well, you love them, don't you? You care for them. You protect them. You know where they are at all times, right, parents? And you, you care, you're careful to save your best, not your last for them. And you give them dignity. That's exactly what God does for each one of us through Jesus. You're his. Allow him to redeem what you entrust to him. That's the mark of a follower. Bringing a life bringing your rights, even, as we're going to learn in future weeks, bringing even your privilege and laying them down at Jesus and allowing him to lead you. Receive God's redemption. This passage says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? That's, again, the gift of your body that God has given you. You're not your own. 
You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. That's the last phrase I want to end with. Glorify God in your body. That's what we do. We live, final point, live for God's glory. That's the heart of a follower of Jesus. We live not for our glory, not for our own expression, not for what I can get and take out of life, but we live for someone greater than ourselves, to give him glory, to reflect him in all we do. Glorify God with your body. That's our aim. Reflect God's heart. The way you live with sexual integrity will limit or free you to glorify God. Folks, we need an alternative to the vision for our bodies our world has given us. And we're called to sexual integrity. But you know what? Just so that we don't get hung up to that it's all about sex. I want to tell you whatever area of your life. Whatever area of your life that you think is yours. That you want your direction and you ignore God's direction. Your life is meant to bring glory to God. Whatever the topic is. Whatever the area we fight God with. The area we're resistant of. We're all called to lay it down at the cross and allow Jesus to redeem that Jesus to exchange that so that we might reflect his glory. The one who is full of truth and grace. That's who we're to glorify. So however this looks in your life, inside or outside of marriage, let's be people who know what God calls us to and who are willing, who are courageous To lay our lives down at the feet of Jesus and say, my life's going to be about your glory in all areas. Whatever that looks like, I'm willing to follow you. Let's pray that we might have hearts for sexual integrity. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage. We thank you for the opportunity to uh, get into your word and to see a better vision for our bodies than what our world has crafted for us. Lord, it doesn't take long to look and to see things are broken in our world. But if we're honest, even within us, we need Jesus to fix us, to repair what is broken. And I thank you that you have the power, Jesus, to do that. Holy Spirit, would you work in each of our lives to give us a greater appetite to follow you, to love you. Even no matter how difficult that is, may we bring the brokenness of our lives to you that we might live for your glory. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.